This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. Sorry. So this is the this is the fart show today. Apparently, uh, this is what Billy has. This is how Billy has chosen to start the show today. Um, we're nothing. We're nothing if not classy and professional. Uh, Bill, Billy, Billy, um, you're going to. Um, well, I guess this is as good a way to get into it as any. Wait, are you blaming gonna, me for your flatulence? <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna piss off your co-host, just as you pissed off the friends that you have on Facebook, or at least used to have, <laughs> and, and an abortion doctor. <laughs> so I guess been, we'll just. I've been, I've been pissing everybody off. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll just go ahead and get started. Then um, <laughs> we'll go ahead and get right into what's going on. Um, Billy uh, uh, has been fired. And no, 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 no. That was just me wishful thinking. Sorry. Uh, Terrible. Billy, um, well, I'll let you, why don't I just let you go ahead and do this, Billy? Why don't you tell the, tell the world what happened? Um, All right. Today? So I actually think this show is fun because we get a chance to talk about a lot of these issues that are very important and we get into analysis and we share some of what we think, but you know, in, in the real world of thinking, okay, I want to. I want to write a story, and I'm going to be fair in my story because I always am. And any story that I run in the blaze, I'm always fair in it. Yes, I'm going to show super, gonna, super duper fair and stuff. And I'm going to look at both sides. And <laughs> the the issue that I was actually really interested in was late term abortion, which okay. which is a morbid issue that nobody wants to think about. You know, like six months and after. And, and, and late term abortion isn't just partial birth. Partial birth abortion is a form of late term abortion. <clears throat> Not all late term right. abortions are partial birth. Is that correct? Well, partial birth is illegal now. Right. So, well, yes, but yeah. I, I'm sure that it's still done, but it's technically illegal. Um, Congress had passed a law back in 2003. Um, it, hasn't been that, it hasn't been overturned? No, I not. No, it has not. Partial birth abortion man has not been overturned. It is still illegal. It's still in place. And partial birth, birth abortion, it's so hard to say. It's like a, a riddle, um, is illegal. Right. But... The allegation has been like with the Planned Parenthood yeah. videos and all that, that it still goes on. Right. Either way, whether you're injecting a baby and, and killing it before doing the procedure or whatever, people can get late term abortions. And I don't have the states in front. Of me. I think it's nine states in the District of Columbia where there are no restrictions on timing. So you could go all the way through. Technically, in Maryland, you can have a very late term abortion. And so. You know, I was thinking, though, it's such a political issue, and, and I'm like, okay, when, when we talk about the health of the mother, this is something that comes up on both sides all the time, right? And But you never get into more specifics of that. Oh, well, if it's the health of the mother, dot, dot, dot. Right. So my goal has been to talk to uh, people who handle who handle ethics surrounding abortion, Christians, right. and, and people who are doctors on that side. Right. And then on the other side abortion doctors to say, okay, well, honestly, take me through this. Why do women seek that? What are the issues they face? Because I think we, look, no matter how people feel about it, it deserves a fair look, that particular issue. The right, health you of should the at least get the information on both sides. Absolutely. So Absolutely, that was the goal. Yeah. Like yeah. any other, if you're approaching any sort of piece with a journalistic lens, that's your goal. 
you know, now I have my opinions on this and every, I don't care who the person is. I need to preface this before we get into the story. I don't care who you are. Um, you know, the critique that people will get, well, if you have an opinion, you know, um, it's not really fair that you cover that. Well, everybody has opinions. Yeah. If journalists didn't cover things right. that they had opinions about, we'd have no stories ever about right. anything. Right. I mean, there's, there's very few, th- I, I, I have very few things I don't have an opinion on. I can't, I can't consider myself a journalist, but you've got opinions on things. There, I mean, like the only thing I can think of right offhand that I don't have an opinion on is what color dominoes my kids should be stacking and, and building things out of. That's about it. And everything right. else I have an opinion on, but I can still be fair. Even if you know, even if you know that I'm a rabid white right winger, my liberal friends will tell you, you're still fair. I can still be fair. Give you a fair <clears throat> hearing. Well, I tend to be more fair sometimes, you know, when I'm aware of that. And I and I think there's a danger to actually overcompensating. Yeah, At yeah, least yeah. With, when when you talk about journalists who are doing jobs, you know, out, out in the field, they can sometimes overcompensate, I yep. think. But yeah. anyway, the, what happened was I reached out to an abortion doctor who I'm not going to name right now, who is one of the only people in the country who still does very late term abortions and called the office and told them flat out. You know, I said who I was, that I have a very an audience that is conservative, but that I'm looking to do a very fair minded piece on this. And, you know, he called me back, the doctor, within about 10 minutes. Right. Um, We played a little phone tag. I, I got him on the phone and I can't talk about the off the record stuff, but he did agree to go on the record. And, you know, we started talking and. I started asking a series of questions that I think were more than fair. You know, and my and the question at the heart of the story was if a baby is completely healthy, mm-hmm. but a mother, let's say the mother's eight months pregnant, but right. that mother has one of these issues that is considered deadly, that the baby would be threatening her life, why not just do a C section to remove that baby safely if the baby is healthy? Right, because the baby's and the at eight eight month at eight months, the baby is viable. Now, I don't even know how many of these – I have to say to this doctor's credit, he said he turns away more women than he does procedures on. That if a woman yeah. came to him and said, I want to have an abortion and there's nothing wrong with her or the baby, he would not do it. Right. So my question was about if there's something wrong with the mother's health and the baby's fine. Now, let me, could, let me, let me play a little bit of skeptic here just before, before you go on. That's good of him to say and, frankly, probably a legal requirement of him to say. But someone who chops up babies, I don't necessarily trust. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, well, that's the right thing for him to say. And I, quote, hope that's what he's doing, even though I wish he wouldn't abort any babies. Um, I, I have no reason to trust him. I have, me personally, I, I, listen, take his story, take his quotes, and if that's what he says, that's what he says. But as a person who would be reading that story and ingesting it and deciding what I believe, I wouldn't believe him for a second. Now, and and that's the thing, and I repeatedly said this is not a, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now if this phone call didn't end the way that it did. This is not a hit piece. I'm not trying to go after you. I'm trying to ask legitimate questions to get answers. He, I couldn't even finish that question about the, because I started with, if the baby is, and he yelled, it started yelling at me and said, I don't operate on babies. And my response, I had a number of responses to that, but my my first response was, well, let me finish the question because this is about the mother who you are operating on, but it has to do with that baby. Does he reject he, the premise that it's a baby until it's well, out of the womb? I mean, no. Well, I, I can't say because that part was off the record, but... If you had, um, if you had said fetus, do you, let me ask you this, in a, in a, because you and I have talked about what's off the record. 
if you had said fetus, do you have reason to believe that the conversation might have gone differently? No. Okay. I don't know why, but no, I, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I, and I was very calm, and I said, you know, no, let me finish. I said, please let me finish. I could, he was just yelling over me, and I said, look, I, what I'm trying to ask you is just about the mother. If she was healthy, the critics would say to you, why not? Hypothetically, then just do a C-section because that if her life is at risk, the baby has to come out either way. Right. Um, and he just was, he screamed at me and hung up on me and would not, he just kept saying, I reject the premise of your question. Did he say it was, what he, did it he was say, complete insanity. Did he say what, what premise he rejected? I mean, what portion of the premise, the entirety of the premise? Or I, I don't get what he was rejecting. What he, I don't do, either. Do I'm you have an idea of what it set him off? Maybe it was the word baby. I, I I think it was, you know, and it may have been. That's why he may have been saying, I don't operate on babies. You know, my, I think he knew what I was trying to ask him. I mean, how do you not know what I'm trying to ask right, you? And I think right. he could have had, look, he could have said, I wish not to answer that question. Or he could have, I mean, I wasn't cornering him. I wasn't right. being aggressive. I was doing right. what I would have done to somebody on the other side of that issue, right. was which was ask the difficult questions. And it ended really badly. And I thought, I can't even call back because... You know, there's there's no moving forward with this interview. So now I I got a lot, and actually I have some of it in front of me. I got a lot of information from him, and he was willing to give me quite a bit. But he was very obsessed with <clears throat> Republicans wanting to use this issue for control, hmm. using the issue of abortion for control. That um, there was an analogy that was made, and I don't want to misquote it because I I did promise, like I do with anybody, right. that I would not misquote him. Right. Um, about women seeking permission for not needing to seek permission for other procedures like appendectomies and things like that. And I thought, well, I did say to him, there's a big difference here. You have another life at hand, right? right. He may not believe it's a life, but you have something with a heartbeat at, right. <laughs> you know, right. that is that is inside of the woman. It's not an, it's not an appendix necessarily. Um, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a body part or an organ that's being removed. Right. And... Um, you know, he said it's extremely rare that abortions are done, you know, late in pregnancy, which I think is, tr which we know is true. The Gutmacher right. Institute tells, I think it's 1.2% of abortions, but that adds up to a lot. I mean, you're talking like 10,000 maybe abortions, 12,000 abortions maybe in a year right. that are late term. Um, let me just see where I want to, I want to find, I want to find that. Well, that's, I, did you watch, um, was it Mike? Yeah, the video that Mike did. Yeah, the Mike. The, the, he went to. There's this big um, abortion case being decided, being heard by the Supreme Court this week uh, in Texas about a Texas law that says your abortion clinics must have you know clean facilities like a hospital. They have to meet the same standards that a hospital does, which to me makes sense because it's a medical facility where where quote surgeries or operations are done uh, and. Uh, requires that the doctors at the clinics be licensed at a hospital within about within a, like a 30 mile radius of the abortion clinic. And so that's being heard at the Supreme Court. So pro-lifers and, and pro-choicers are, are, you know, at each other uh, out in front of the Supreme Court building, which, by the way, have you ever understood why people go out in front of the Supreme Court and protest and have their chance? And because <laughs> as though it has any impact at all, on the Supreme Court. That makes no sense to me. Pro-lifers or pro-choicers or anybody on any it's other strange. issue. When they, when they, when they come out and protest in front of the Supreme Court, I really, 
I do not understand the thinking there as though it's going to make a, a bit of difference. It isn't. It's impossible for it to make difference. Uh, it's just weird. Uh, anyway, so the Supreme Court's hearing that, but Mike uh, Alpalka went out and, and did a like man on the street stuff talking to protesters and asking them, when does life begin? And he's, and he couldn't even get like, he says, what about if there's a heartbeat, you know? <laughs> and, and somebody said, nah, no, not even when there's a heartbeat. I know so, that. Like, well, what about my congresswoman growing up, Louise Slaughter, yeah. who I might say my claim to fame is I was in a play with her once, um, <laughs> saying that it's when the baby is basically out of the womb, correct? I mean, yeah. I think that was what her, well, what her and, quote well, was. Well, remember, and I think we've talked about this before, the Santorum boxer debate back in, I don't know when it was. Was it 2000, 2001? I was on the Senate floor for that. That It was infamous, right? It was on partial birth abortion. And he's asking her, when does life begin? When is the baby? When can you not kill the baby? He said, because apparently you're going to justify and you're going to stand up for the idea that a doctor can breach. For one thing, if a baby is breach, when you and, and you know this as a, as, a, as a father who's witnessed his daughter's being born. If a baby's breach, doctors do whatever they can to get the baby turned back around because it's incredibly unhealthy for the mother and the baby, but especially for the mother, to have a baby born breach, right? Yeah. Okay, so... But for partial birth abortion, which the left would justify, the pro-abortion people would justify because it's for a health of the mother, will um, say, no, we can have partial birth abortion, where they go in and they manipulate the baby so that it is born breech, which is bad for the mother, and then deliver the baby all the way up to the head and then stick scissors in the back of the baby's skull and scramble its brains. So Santorum asks Boxer, so that's allowed, what... When does the baby? When can you not kill the baby? When is, is it? When when just like a leg is still in the womb in the birth canal, or maybe just a toe? Where well, he says, when is the baby a baby? And Boxer says, when you take the baby home. That was her response. That is just disgusting. It's and evil. Look, this is not this is not a partisan issue. I don't. I, so. And we can get into what happened after I, when I, I posted this on uh, yeah, my Facebook and I, page. And I want but, to, but... but well, so I want to just point out, I was pulling up an old New York Times piece from 2007. The court, the high court, the Supreme Court, upheld the, the ban on partial birth abortion, but it was only a five to four decision. Right. So let's talk about how scary that is. Yeah. But it has been upheld. So now, you know, like, who knows what doctors do in, in the confines of their own offices when, you know, or in clinics when... Nobody can see. I don't right. know. I would hope nobody's doing this. It is illegal. And right. let's not forget Gosnell, what went on in his clinic. Right. And you now you were looking something else up, like a quote or analogy or something that the doctor gave you or, or did you? I was you, making you, sure that what he said about and I don't have the exact quote, but he, he brought up the appendectomy and oh, basically okay. had said, you know, the, the government doesn't tell doctors when and how to do that. I can't remember the exact quote, but when and how to do that. And my point to him was, well, this is a little bit different, but right. I think that that points to and look, I I know that there's the, it, we're all going to say it's evil to do late term abortions and all that. It has to be really grating on your soul and who you are to be the doctor doing those procedures. I mean, for or, 50 years or you've just. You don't have a soul. <laughs> I mean, not that everybody or has you're a soul, desen you're so I mean, desensitized, but, I mean, to but it. you've but you've sold yourself out to another way of thinking. That it isn't even grating on your soul. You have totally sold out your 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 conscious, your morals, or whatever, to a certain point of view. But so so tell the people then what happened. Was it today? Yesterday? 
It when was you, today. You posted the. I avoid. Po- I, no, so you I have haven't personal, written. The, you haven't written the story on this yet, right? To post. I have not. Okay. I have not. I have a personal Facebook. I have a Blaze, you know, Facebook, right, and right. <laughs> I don't post a lot of my personal one. Okay, and this is why because I start to dislike the people who I've went to high school with, and there's other people yeah, that I'm friends yeah, with on there from through the Blaze. But it's like you know, let me not post anything controversial because I'm going to end up right. not liking what people right. say to me, and. Really, what happened was I wrote a note about this interview and I said that I had with this doctor. And I said it was incredibly disturbing to me that I asked this question that requires just a very simple answer and that I'm screamed at. Right. And the reactions I got from people, a lot of people very supportive. In fact, people sure. we've had on this show who I'm friends with on Facebook, very supportive. I'm right. um, saying, you know, keep doing what you're doing. This, but was, then this, other is, people, this was Billy's way of, of pointing out, uh, boys and girls. This was Billy's way of pointing out that people, celebrities, famous people that we've had on the show are personal friends of his on Facebook. That's just so you know what's going on here. This wasn't <laughs> simply Billy saying that he has people who support him. It's that oh, you were my awful. That personal is not page, awful. I had friends who we've had on the show. Um, that's what Billy's doing there. Just you're, so everyone's clear here. Okay, you're go awful. Go ahead. The vast, actually, Lucas Miles, who we just had on the show. Right. Lucas keep, Miles. Keep doing what you're doing. It's important. You know, so people... A lot of support, but then right. some crazy people yeah. who, um, and I'm not going to read the note that I posted, but I just said it was disturbing and whatever. Um, this is the real world we live in. I can't believe this, you know. Now I knew I'd get some responses, and that's fine. But I just don't consider the destruction and murder and dismemberment of a baby at eight months gestation to be controversial. Like what I do, what I do think is controversial and and difficult is the question of the mother's life, if there's truth to it. But I can't yeah. seem to find anybody who wants to talk to me right. about that. Well, and the statistics show that the late-term abortions where you kill a baby that's viable, rarely, if ever, is health of the mother actually in question, that it's used as an excuse to, ha- to have the abortion. Well, that's the question I was getting at. Not that now everyone's accusing me in this, you know, chain. A few people of being I'm leading the question, and I'm, you know, I must be, um, you know, he must have known that I was trying to trap him. Well, I wasn't trying any, to trap him. Now, did any famous people or anybody like that ask you that question? Who happen to be friends of yours on Facebook, or, or were these no, just regular people? No, oh, so, they were all supportive, so but. <laughs> you know, all the famous. Uh, there were no were, famous people. All the, but, all the famous people were supportive. A couple of semi-famous, but anyway, but this woman Barbara. <laughs> Um, went on and on and on, and she said about how stupid I am to even ask that question because. Well, um, no, wait now, now med- Barbara. Wait, wait. I, I got to talk about Barbara here just for a second. Did you see Bar- Barbara's comment? No, I need to talk about Barbara. How stupid you are for this comment, Barbara. Barbara, you don't need a qualifier when we talk about Billy's Agreed. intelligence. Okay, all right. Sorry. Agreed. Go ahead. What did Babs? Said, what did Babs have to say? She she said medically this is not considered an abortion, the late term. It's it's a delivery. It would be done in a hospital maternity ward, not an abortion clinic. The method used either by inducing labor or through cesarean section would depend on several factors. Of course, every precaution is taken to save the infant. Really? No, that's um, not what it was about. This is wait this is not just because of law and medical ethics but because the parents would insist on it. I don't know where she what world she's living in. Did she misread are, did she misread your post? No, she's maybe, but wait, it's, I'm not done because this work gets good. The physician probably assumed you were a white right wing whack job trying to smear him, ding, which ding, in ding, fact ding, you ding, were. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> which in fact you were. That was the part that made me laugh. Uh, the man probably gets death threats and harassment night and day from fetus people. So he's going. So he's to be forgiven for not wanting anything to do with you. Also, it was a stupid question that revealed you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, no, 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 no. Your 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 comment. Babs, 
uh, was ridiculous. Because you you obviously didn't. I mean, whatever. I just it, these it, it actually makes you. It actually enraged me because telling someone to abort themselves would be a bad thing to do right now, probably. Right. I look. I unfriended her. We were friends, <laughs> and I never do that. But I was just so disgusted. No, by is this it. somebody you've known personally, or just kind of? It was you like know a, what? Only, I don't know how it became a Facebook friends. connection. Okay, it's some nut job. I was friends. With. I don't understand. Mm. Uh, no, she's not. I'm sure she's not a nut job. No, she I'm just sure believes she things that I don't. No, she's a nut job. I'll say so, it. So. But but what really bothers you then is that you see people liking a couple of people liking her statement who I went to high school with who I know and I'm oh, like wait a minute yeah that's the I worst. might that's the part that pisses me off yeah, and and I think it's, and that's why I don't post on my personal page this is why yeah no it's disturbing you 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 see somebody make a ridiculous comment you're like you're obviously an incredibly stupid person now, now I'm not talking about Babs I'm talking about this happens on my Facebook page too you know somebody writes a, some a comment on something you've posted and it's it's horribly unintelligent. And evil, and or evil, and then you have friends that you're like, who start liking what they said, and you're like, where did, where did that come from? Where do, you, how are you, you just you're completely flummoxed by it. I I just don't I understand, and in fact, I had some good disagreements with people who were like, well, you already have an opinion on this, and we know what your opinion is, so is aren't you biased going into it? And what I discussed before, obviously, I addressed that with them, and we had a good discussion. Like, we're not trying to fight with you. We just want to know. That's fine. Right. What she wrote, first of all, I wasn't trying to trap him. I told him who I worked for. I told him that the audience was conservative, and, and he told me some negative things that he thought about our website, and I said, that's fine. Are you willing to go on the record? And he said yes, and we had mm-hmm. a five, ten-minute conversation before he flipped out on me, so... There's nothing right-wing nut nothing job to about do with that. Me. Yeah, it was, yeah. He Sorry, got put go in the spot that he didn't. He got put in the spot that he didn't like, and they didn't like the hypothetical situation. I mean, that's and people like there, that don't like hypotheticals. So, well, there's nothing wrong with asking hypotheticals either, which was another theme that came up that no journalism department would ever let you ask hypothetical. There, well, that's questions. total. That's total BS. Right. It's I mean, insane. It's totally. It's, it's totally insane. That's what election coverage is all about. That's what. That's what Supreme Court hearings are all about. Hypothetical situations. And and the fact is, and we need to call Rivette because Rivette had some thoughts on this too, I believe. Yeah, uh, let's call get, that get her pregnant number. woman. Because, and, and in fact, she's an expert being pregnant. <laughs> she's an expert at being pregnant, apparently. Uh, but, but the thing that... If you don't live in a world where you accept hypotheticals and deal with hypotheticals, you're bound to make bad decisions because the moment to make decisions is not in the moment of crisis. The moment to make decisions is before you get to the moment of crisis. And the only way to make a decision about a potential moment of crisis is to deal with hypotheticals. It's I've just never dealt with people who are, so many people are just so willing to justify things. And that's what the problem is. Whereas I was actually willing to try to understand what this doctor goes through and why he is. And I know that that would make a lot of people even disgusted to think, well, why do you even want to know? I want to understand this issue. What is his perspective? Because we don't hear it. And, And the Republicans are guilty of this too. There may be absolutely nothing to that reason when we say mother, mother's health, but we should explore it and try to understand it at least. So we can, okay, they're saying this. I might not believe that, but they're saying it. And that's the fair thing to do. That's what I tried to do. I wasn't given the ability to do that, which is unfortunate. All right, hold on one second. I'm going to call Sarah. Okay. All right, it's dialing. I wouldn't be offended if somebody said to me, you know, I know you guys are recording the podcast. Um, What if you guys decide to have a good show? Hypothetically speaking, you know, that's. (laughs) Hello, this is Sarah. Hello, yeah, Sarah. we weren't about Hello, to give Sarah. you any warnings. So Hello, here you are on the show. Oh. We're recording right Far now. As always. We're recording right now. 
I love that. I, I, I should have known. Are, are you, it was a Yonkers telephone number. Are you still recording? Are you still recording? We're recording. Are you still pregnant? Unfortunately. Now you have apparently now from what I from what I've gathered of being your friend, apparently your normal pregnancy, your gestation is about the same as that of an African elephant. Is that correct? <laughs> I feel like it is Good. because I, I find out apparently that I'm pregnant immediately after it happens somehow. <laughs> We found out with our first daughter when I was like three weeks pregnant. It was literally like, how do we know this early? And you kiss, um, you kiss, we, you kiss Brian, roll over, and yeah. go, "Oh, I'm pregnant." <laughs> Pretty much, poor guy. No, Sarah's um, been pregnant also, for like three years. Yeah, in all fairness, which is also why we'll be getting my my tubes tied after this pregnancy. Well, I think that I can. We get pregnant while we're on birth control as well, because apparently that's that's I our thing. I think I can safely say for the rest of the country, thank you for that, for the for the getting the tubes tied. <laughs> and I think that's because you think that I'm like an enraged, crazy individual when I'm pregnant, which is absolutely true. Right. Um, you're, you, I fear say, for other people. Right. You should say you're more enraged when you're pregnant. I'm just unhinged. Let's be honest. Have our listeners ever known an unpregnant Sarah, Billy? No, because she's been pregnant since '89. <laughs> It hasn't been quite that long. It feels like it has. It's Um, the Jessica Simpson pregnancy that never ended. No, Jessica Simpson just Jessica Simpson pretended to be pregnant to explain the fatness. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. She went through her bloating stage and said, "Oh, I'm pregnant." No, you're not. You're just you're just bloated. What's really fascinating about like the idea that you're pregnant for forty weeks is you know we're about we're roughly five to six weeks away from when you know we can expect baby and i'm like holy crap how did that happen how did i lose the last 35 weeks to do all this stuff that i need to do in order to get ready for this child so now i feel all the pressures on like you have all this time and you're like oh hey you had years had plenty of time time. and now i'm not even ready at all did you guys decide on a name yet no no so tell the listeners, you've got some sort of poll going on, or what's going on here? So we have two front runners. Okay. Um, no, are these? Are you in, definitely going to pick between these two front runners, or is, or is there a possibility another nomination could come up? Well, there's always a possibility, but these two are the front runners currently, and have been for a very long time. Um, there have been other names floated around, and it's just I've had issues making decisions this pregnancy. Like I can't pick between the color of the shirt that I want to wear for the day, um, much less decide a human being's name for the, the rest of their life. So that's kind of one of the reasons and obstacles to this whole naming process is I feel like I'm not in a position to make an adequate decision that impacts someone's life for forever. Jeez, you're a mess. She is a mess. I know. Well, why don't you say, why don't you say the name so that we can do my bully test? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is, is by the the way, for anyone listening, is the best reason to be friends with Billy Hollowell is because he will turn his powers of evil for good (laughs) when you're trying to pick a name for a child. Um, Because he has this awful, fantastic knack for picking the worst, picking out like what everyone will call this kid. Like the bully um, name, what they're the, going to say um, in school. Right. Yeah, on the on the playground. So we have the name Abigail. Flabby Abby. <laughs> you got to worry about that. 
Flabby Abby. And then we have Hannah. We call Fanny Hanny. Well, no, no, I think Hannah's safe. No, we call we call. Well, it's this isn't a bad one. We call Han, well, Hannah Banana. Is a we have a that's nice. Hannah. See, Chris, it's no, kind of cute. Good at I'm this. Not, I guess I'm not mean. I'm not. No, no you have to her. think bully, like Flabby Abby, Flabby Abby. Like that's the problem with Abby, Abigail. But but Hannah, there's really nothing like Hannah Banana, Hannah. Hannah Montana. Would yeah, but nobody will know who that is by then. It's true. You're that's good. I think Hannah's true. your safe I one. Vote, I think Abigail opens the door to a lot of problems. I vote for Abigail. Of course you do. You want to call her Flabby Abby. No, I just like the name Abby, and, and I have a niece named It is a nice name. It well, is a really nice name. Let's pick up, let, let's raise the stakes a little bit. So you know what the middle name is going to be. My, my other daughter, Emily, her middle name is Jean, which is my mother's middle name. And so the middle name for this little girl is going to be Renee, my mother-in-law's middle name. So Abigail Renee or Hannah Renee? Hmm. Hmm. Hannah Renee because now, there's no schoolyard... Names. Oh, but her initials will be H R L Hurl. Nobody's nobody. Sarah, I love you, but you're way too organized. Like nobody thinks that way. No one's gonna be. No one's gonna make fun of a kid based on initials. You would because you're like always looking for patterns. And, and, stuff, the, nobody and the else fact is, is I mean, and I know you don't want. It's like don't give bullies, you know, one more tool to use. But the fact is, it doesn't matter really what their name is. A, a kid who's gonna pick on your kid is gonna find a way to do it. That's going to be meaner oh, than associating a name with their name. Well, let's be honest. Uh, it's going to be my kid, so there's going to be something to pick on. Right. It's either going to be OCD. It's either going to have really large glasses with very thick um, <laughs> uh, frames. Thick, thick because I mean, that was me. Um, <laughs> so it, it's bound. It's not. It's not <laughs> Coke, bo- Coke bottle. Coke bottle. Revet. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. <laughs> So it's not um, going to so, be an easy life for these children. I kind of I, I feel bad for them. So I've I've had friends who who and this hasn't happened to us with any of our this didn't happen with us with any of our three kids. But I had friends who, um, uh, had the ultrasounds done and and found out the sex of the baby. But the doctor was incorrect in what they told them about the sex of the baby, and they didn't have a backup plan for the new baby, and all of their baby stuff was you know it was a girl they, they were expecting a girl and got a boy all of their baby stuff in the nursery was pink and they had only picked out girl names they hadn't done anything for it. do you have any boy names any boy backup names yeah james thomas done okay so i was gonna easy. i was gonna i was gonna it's... suggest christopher william <laughs> or william christopher <laughs> I love it. No, I'm not scarring this child even more by bringing you two into it. <laughs> well, while we're on the topic of abortion, there's my awkward wait, transition. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, that wasn't loud enough. Just a minute here. I've been trying to have more and more awkward transitions because I love them. Um, I did, did one you, to Stephen Baldwin the other Steve, day. Stephen Baldwin actually got a kick out of our little awkward transition. <laughs> I was like, so anyway, your movie. Uh, how about Trump? Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> Can we honestly, before we talk, well, no, we should talk about abortion. I really, we need to talk about the Trump's, Trump thing. Oh, okay. Now, no, see, no, we, we were supposed to give a warning. Remember, you and I discussed this for 10 minutes before we started recording the show. You're going to bleep that one out. And perf- no, I'm not. And purposefully did not, purposefully did not bring up the I Trump stuff, Trump stuff, and then suddenly you throw it up. We had a long discussion about this. Can't you bleep it out? Okay, fine. I gotta find them. <laughs> He's making a note of it so you can bleep it out. Well, 
All right, so we won't talk about that, but we should talk about my... You noticed my Facebook post, right, Sarah, that has been getting crazy reactions from nutty people? Oh, my God. Yeah, I read that this morning, and first of all, it made me want to cry because I'm eight months pregnant, and I'm like, <sighs> the fact that anybody would... I could have the baby tomorrow. I could have the baby today in 10 minutes, yeah. and it would probably have to live in a, you know, a, neonatal, a neonatal clinic or an ICU clinic or whatever they call it. I think it's, I don't know. But anyway, it would have to probably live in there for another month or so to develop its lungs better and to be able to breathe on its own and to eat properly and all this other stuff. But the fact that there are people out there who would electively have a late-term abortion, knowing that the other, like a C-section delivery that kept the baby alive is still completely and 100% viable is so astounding to me let me ask you guys a question let's say that um your doctor has lied to you or misled you or missed something um a little less sinister, sinister missed something and you find out month seven or month eight that the baby has a, a horrible disease um or that the baby has down syndrome or that the baby has some other issue um and those are very different things that i just mentioned but how do you react um, I guess, I don't know. That That's a tough one. My aunt had Down syndrome. Um, so we've actually had the genetic testing done to see where we lie in terms of our risk. And our risk was considered low, low for Emily and it was considered low for this baby. And we're moving forward. That doesn't mean that the, the risk still isn't there. So I I think that if they told me that at this point, at, you know, I'm 34 weeks today. They tell me now, hey, there's a chance that your child's going to be, you know, deformed or have this mental incapacity or is going to need lifelong care. I would still have the baby. If they told me that in week seven, I more than likely would still go through with it. I think that would be, I think at week seven for me, it's a little bit different in terms of you have more time, you have all this time to think about it. But I, I, I'm not sure what my it's hard. would be. And, and, and thankfully, I'm not in that position. Thank hey, God. I got to go because our managing editor is calling. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Um, hey, well, then. Oh, well, then. <laughs> that, that was uh, quite the... Well, I wanted to mention something that I pulled up today because I, I was thinking about it. Um and actually, she's a representative. I don't know if she's your representative in Washington State. Jamie Herrera Butler. No, Butler. My, my, um, my rep is uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers. So this woman, I don't know if you remember, back in 2013, um, she was told that her baby, and I, I can't remember what. Basically, it was it was some sort of very very diabolical in utero problem that could lead to, I believe, to her death. Now the baby didn't have functioning kidneys and um basically though let's see the the options this is a quote from her back in 2013 the options we were offered were termination or expectant management that is waiting for the baby to die instead we chose to pray earnestly for a miracle and the baby was born and is completely apparently fine Hmm. So they, here she is, this congresswoman. And I remember when she put the statement out saying, we want privacy. We were given this diagnosis. I think it was a lack of am- – I can't remember what it exactly was. But either way, abortion was – she was advised that abortion was an option. She did not do it, and the baby is okay. So wow. not that that's always going to happen, but 
it kind of changes your thinking. What if she had had an abortion and, yeah. and now you have this baby that's yep. healthy? Yep. Interesting. All right. You know what? Let's take a break and we're going to come back and we've got an interview with uh, Tony Evans that we're going to play, right? Don't you have that? Yeah. So let's, um, we've been on this abortion thing for a long time. I think we, we need, need to get off I of think that. we need to break it and go on to the next thing. So let's take a break and then we will come right back and have a, uh, an interview. You mean you want to talk uh, about Donald Tony, Trump's? Tony Evans. Uh, we will get to that, but we got to set it up right, okay? We'll be right back. Donald Trump. The church boys. The church boys. Man, I hate these guys. All right, so Billy had his little adventure recently in uh, in Nashville at the National Religious Non-Broadcasters Association or meeting or <laughs> conference, whatever it is. Um, uh, and you had some fascinating interviews that you conducted. We've aired some of them already, but the There's one we many wanted, more to come. Uh, yes, and um, the one the one that we want to run today in today's show is with with uh, Tony Evans. Lay out who Tony Evans is and how what you guys talked about, it, and we'll get right into it. So Tony Evans is a well-known pastor, and in fact, Priscilla, Priscilla Shriver is his daughter. Who you had mentioned this right, right in the right, in the right. past show. Yes, the um, yes, the, she she has a lot of really good series that she's done, and she's friends with Beth Moore and done these other things. And then she was in um, what was that movie? War Room. She War Room. War Room movie. Yeah. But anyway, he's he's a pastor who I, I think has I think he has a message that unlike many other pastors, you kind of have those even the megachurch pastors who sort of reside in their pulpit, they stay in their pulpit, they're effective in their pulpit. Uh, but Tony Evans is one who seems like a connector to me. You know, he's sort of out there. He's addressing issues. He's an African American who addresses issues right. of of you know unity of obviously the gospel. And so it was great to get a chance to sit down with him and sort of talk through some of his thoughts on what we have going on in society right now. Yeah, and he was, um, doesn't he chaplain or he was, is or was chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys for a while? I think he was. I don't, you know, it's a good question. I don't know if I he still he is. We did not talk about that at Sorry. all. It would have been a good thing to, yeah, to chat about. But you don't understand um, sports games, so. Oh, okay. We're going to go there. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I, you know, I kind of hate you. I almost hate you as much as the people on my Facebook wall. <laughs> almost. Um, almost. Almost, but let's, um, let's just roll it. It's a great but, conversation. But hate, I think... Good, never, what? Mind, never mind. It's gonna, no. I was going to say, but you don't love me as much as the famous people who are friends with you on Facebook. There so. were no famous people. <laughs> okay. Only one. Okay. So, You're all awful. Okay, are you ready to roll this thing? Let's just roll roll it. Okay. Right now, roll it. Now. And then we'll talk about Donald Trump's... Go. Let's roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys Podcast, and I have Dr. Tony Evans, pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. It's good to sit down with you finally. I have a list of people I want to talk with, and you've been on it for a long time. Okay. Um, so, yeah, let's let's just dive in. You have an event coming up that you're a part of later this year called The Gathering. It's in September. Yes, right? September 21st. Tell me, tell me a little bit about this event, what you're trying to accomplish. Well, uh, it's been my burden for a long time to see... Uh, churches come together on a national scale to invite God's manifest presence back in our midst. I believe that what we're facing as a country is fundamentally spiritual, although it works itself out in the other dimensions. And I think the church is the, the last bulwark to hold together the, the fraying culture. And so I gather together with a number of other Christian leaders and share with them a vision, what I call a kingdom vision, for cultural impact. And it's a threefold dimension. One is to have the gathering, and uh, it will be based in Dallas, but simulcast 
all across the nation. Uh, and it will be designed to call churches together in their own local areas through the simulcast to a, for a solemn assembly. A solemn assembly in the Bible is a sacred gathering to re-invite God's presence back into the, uh, into the midst of the culture. Second phase is to get the churches to call people to uh, a discipleship mode, not a membership mode. Uh, we got plenty of memberships, but our impact seems to be null and void. And that is because we have not developed kingdom citizens, people who view all of life from God's perspective and who filter that in all of life. And then the third aspect of that is to get those churches to unite in their local communities to do good works to do things that benefit the well-being of their community. So uh, uh, things like what we, what we promote through our national ministry, the Urban Alternative, uh, the adopt a school. If every school got adopted by a church to provide mentoring, tutoring, and family support services, then you're doing something good for the community and you're not just viewed as a religious entity that's self-contained. And so if we can do those three things, I think we will, we will have an imprint on the culture that is desperately needed. Yeah, I mean, and the culture is, is sick. You know, this has kind of been the discussion that people have had, and it seems like the last five years in particular, last ten years, it's just sort of expedited and moved so fast. And almost every element, you sort of, like, turn a corner and you're like, oh, there's an issue there now, right? There's an issue over here. And sure. there's a detachment, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, that dichotomy and detachment has manifested itself in, uh, uh, in the church, and therefore, we're not being what the Bible says we should be, salt and light. That is major influences in the culture. The influence seems to have been marginalized quite a bit. So, so that's kind of what we're promoting and, and, and through the gathering on the 23rd. No, that's great. And it, because it almost seems like there was a time in which there was a big push. You know, there's a political push too. You know, from one side, from from the right side of things. And now there's a cultural push on the left side of things. And they seem to be kind of winning this war. And now. And now conservatives and Christians kind of seem to be pulling back a little bit. And you see churches, you know, in that position of not even knowing, you know, what can you speak out on? What can you say? Absolutely. It's a, totally the opposite of what it was like 15 years ago. Well, absolutely. And the, the question of religious freedom is going to be a, a whopping question. Yeah. And uh, the fact that our faith should not be forced or limited to the church building but should be exercised and executed in the marketplace yeah. as well. And, uh, and, uh, but we see that uh, there is an erosion taking place there on a whole lot of levels. So there needs to be um, righteous pushback. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and so I think uh, that's one of the, we want to be net, one of the net results of, of uh, this national emphasis. Yeah, and then there's that temptation to pull back and isolate, which, you know, Christians, I've been a Christian my whole life, and I've been parts of churches that have done that, where you sort of create your own this. And there's nothing wrong with that, your own music, your own whatever, that's fine. But when there's no engagement, and it's sort of like, okay, we're scared of all this, so we're just going to retreat. That's right, and that's, that and that's partially our fault. We can't just say, well, the, the, the culture has pushed us back. Right. We've allowed ourselves to be pushed back. And right, so, exactly. And exactly. so uh, you, can't, uh, you can't just complain about how bad things are. You've got to say, okay, what are we going to do that is beneficial to the culture, that is right and good, but that is also clear and unapologetic? Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like one of the other things that has gotten worse, and almost everybody I've interviewed about this um, this week has said this issue is far worse. You know, politically the division. I mean, there's division everywhere. Political, racial, the last year and a half, I mean, 
I'm 32, so most of my life I felt like, okay, there's been really good progress being made. In the last year and a half, it sort of feels like, are we stepping back on a, multiple, on a multitude of fronts? I mean, it just seems like it's, it's this group, that group, and everybody is divided. What do you think is driving that overall division on all those fronts? Well, you know, unity occurs when there's oneness of purpose. When they're, when they're competing purposes, then you, ha- you, you naturally have a division that occurs because, you know, whether it's in a marriage or whether it's in a nation, you have competing purposes, then you have potential conflict. So it's, it's getting us on the same visionary, purposeful page that overrides. You know, when a football team uh, is marching down the field, there's only one goal line. You know, and everybody's headed. Now, everybody's different, different positions, different roles, but they're not talking about different goals. Okay? Right. So it's like, it's, it's like crafting a vision and a message. So our big thing is that God's goal is his kingdom and the advancement of, of his rule in history. And, and so from a, from a spiritual Christian standpoint, everything should come under that umbrella. My race, my history, my background, my class, my culture, everything comes under that. As Americans, okay, Constitution is supposed to be our abiding document. And while there may be interpretive differences, how you view that, purpose from a purpose standpoint, will affect you know what you do and how you yeah. do it. So, so it is is oneness of purpose that produces unity and decline, decreasing conflict. Yeah, no, and, and it's interesting because when it comes to the racial reconciliation piece of it, the church should kind of be on the same page, but there's a lot of division even in the church, and I'm seeing Absolutely. these debates and these battles and these, how do you handle this? Do you, I mean, there's organizations that have chosen to endorse Black Lives Matter. That's controversial for some people. There's organizations that have said, let's find another way to come alongside and say, look, we need to find reconciliation. I guess my question is, what what should the church do, and how do they find, how does the church find that unity? Because that's important. People are looking at the right. church. Well, first of all, the the church must model what it is demanding from the culture. You, you can't complain that you're not there, that over there if you're not right. what you're complaining about in here. So, the, so that's why there's such an emphasis on pulling the church together without compromising our fundamental beliefs. But we have to make a distinction between membership and fellowship. You can fellowship with people you can't have membership with. And sometimes we, we merge the two so that if you, can't, if you can't have membership, you also can't have fellowship. And so there, there are certain things that should be non-negotiables. But below that, we should be able to tolerate each other's differences yeah. for the bigger issues that are, that are, are the, uh, non-negotiables. And so I, I, I think calling together the, the gathering uh, is designed to at least be one way of promoting this emphasis. Yeah, and you, I mean, it's a great group of faith leaders who are well-known, who people can look at and say, okay, here's an example of people coming together to address issues that you know we're, we're facing in society. I mean, there are big issues right now. Absolutely, that absolutely. Are going on. They're huge issues, but that creates huge opportunity. And as bad as things are, uh, they, they really open up a door and a window for leadership. I think that describes some of what's happening in uh, in the political realm today. There is this cry for leadership and for advancing and not retreating, and I think the church the church has to do the same thing. And so, yeah, we're gonna make our little contribution to it. Yeah, it's inter- it is interesting, and I won't get into the political realm. I'll just mention that I think you know you kind of look at the candidates who rise up, and you're sort of trying to figure it out. And it seems like there's a lot of uncertainty and the culture that I think is impacting politics too. Right? Well, well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the uh, the uncertainty, the fear, 
internationally you got terrorism. You know, nationally you've got all these divisions. Then you got economic. You got you got you got stuff everywhere, and every day something new is coming up. Um, you know, there's a verse in Second Chronicles, chapter 15, but really verses three to six. It says, "In those days, there was no true God, no teaching priest, no law. Citizen rose up against citizen, nation rose up against nation, city rose up against city." And then it says, "For God troubled them with every kind of distress." If God is your problem, only God is your solution. So therefore, yeah, that's and that's a great wow. that's great scripture because it does it resonates. You know, when yeah. you think about where we are, because that's what it feels like this detachment sure. where everybody is like on their own. That there isn't this. I mean, obviously, seventy percent of the country they say they're Christians, and and you, know, you look at those polls, and there's a lot of nominal people in there. Sure, um, but there's been a there's been a decline a little bit in in that arena. But I think. You look at media, you look at entertainment, and you think, if you're growing up in the society, how do you, and you're not going to church every week, where are you getting those values from if it's not coming from your parents? They're, they're not present the way they were. Right, and that's the whole principle of discipleship, because the idea is for me to bring my worldview and influence the spheres in which I am involved, whether that's law or medicine or entertainment, that, that you bring that worldview with like, when um, Tony Dungy was going for the Super Bowl and we were on the phone and we were praying about it and he says, I want you to pray that win or lose, I will use this platform for, for impacting lives and getting the truth out about my faith. So he didn't divorce coaching from right. his faith. But we've got the great divorce that has occurred in the culture between our faith and our function. Yeah. And uh, until we merge those two and no longer operates as secular and sacred, but that we uh, make sacrosanct the secular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, separation of church, those words separation of church and state have permeated almost, it's fascinating truth. to me, words that do not really exist in right, the Constitution right. have, have permeated, and, and look, there's a healthy separation. I think everybody, yeah, there's a healthy, but there's not. institutional separation. Right, 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 right. Okay, which is, which is different than the separation of uh, God and government. Exactly. The separation of institutions is different than a worldview uh, that should be involved. I mean, it, it is it is understood, or was understood, that our rights come from our Creator. If you if you start there, then you're assuming a Creator, and you're assuming that there's certain things that cannot be denied to you because it has not come from anyone but the Creator. So with with that operating, that means that the Creator is part of this process. And so the, the question that people don't want to dig down into is, okay, what does the Creator say about this, about this, that, or the other, whatever the issue happens to be? The big thing today is marriage. So what does the Creator say about it, okay? So what we want is to reference Him without responding to Him. <laughs> right. So, right. Uh, so He's kind of good for invocations and benedictions as long as He stays out of the stuff in between. Yeah, it's interesting. There's certain issues that people will spend so much time looking at Scripture to try to find a way to make it say something it's not, right? Uh, no, 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 it's not saying that. I, you know, I'm certain it's not saying that when it becomes very clear that it is and there's a consistent theme, you know, throughout. What, what is the biggest issue for you? Is there one, you know, when you kind of look, look culturally that concerns you the most? Well, the breakdown of the family is probably the, the single greatest uh, institutional breakdown because everything else in society is counting on it. When, that, when the family breaks down and is redefined or is non-functional, that's economic issues, 
because more likely you, you ought to grow up in poverty. Uh, it has to do with, it, it affects crime, you know, and criminal justice. Uh, it affects uh, uh, your productivity in the culture. Uh, it affects um, order. It affects values. It, I mean, the breakdown of the family is, is without question the, the single greatest crisis we face in the culture. Well, yeah, and I mean, you think about having two parents, right, having a mother and a father, the benefits of that. And people will say, well, no, that's not true. I mean, there's studies that have shown that this. And to me, it's sort of common sense, right? But it comes on a number of fronts. You have, obviously, there's the marriage battle that go, that's gone on for a while. But then there's just people who say, I'm going to have a child on my own. And, you know, not to, not to dismiss those people or it's just... It seems like this whole notion of family, you have a lot of young people waiting really long time to get married, right. um, you know, and, and you have, it seems like, I mean, I don't have the statistics in front of me, it seems like the value of marriage sort of is kind of hanging in the balance, right? It, well, well, it is, it is, but rather than, than join the retreat, uh, we have to advance the, the cause, and so so that's what we're, we're seeking to do, and so... Um, um, we're in a crisis moment in the culture, and, and it's, it's, you use the phrase tipping point. I think that's a great phrase, because I think that's where we are, for good or for bad. And so uh, we, we're going to get after it. Our big, uh, our big thing is to, to uh, create surrogate families through the churches adopting schools, because if a church adopts a school and you can get a, a father to become a father to the fatherless and a mother to the mother, yeah. you can create surrogate families. And so I think that's absolutely critical. There's an organization, we, we did a story on them last year that adopted a, it was a, it was a church that adopted a school. I don't know, I got to get the information over to you if you haven't seen it, but they adopted a school and it's like totally transformed over a 10 year period. Sure. You may know, you may already know this, but they did a documentary on it and they wrote a book on it. Sure, well that, that's kind of spreading across the country and that, that's our main focus to our national ministry is to get churches to adopt schools in terms of cultural impact. That's amazing. Because yeah. you already have church schools and families already existing. so. All you got to do is create a dating service, and right, you connect exactly. them right, then you can make an impact. Yeah, I mean, and it can be everything from fix helping fix the school, you know, the, the physical school, the building itself, right. to cultivating people, to food banks, to... And you think about yeah. where some of these schools are and, and the poverty that people are living in. Yeah, well, you, you know, we call it family support services. We promote mentoring, tutoring, and family support services. And when those three are engaging uh, the, the child's value system, child's education... Uh, and the child support systems. When, when you have that package operating, there are like 192,000 public schools in America. There are 350,000 churches. So, if you got every, yeah. if you got one solid church to adopt one school, you could cover the whole every community in America without creating anything new. Isn't that amazing? Right, and you can do it in a way that, that would get around this whole fear yeah, yeah. of right because you're going as a social service provider. Right. Exactly. So, so you're not, you're exactly. Not going in, uh, but the reality is, when you're providing a social service, you get attention. Don't right. You know? so, exactly. So it's a, it's a, it's a win-win for the culture, and it's a win-win for the kids and the families. Now I have to ask you a lighter question about your daughter and War Room. Everybody uh, wants yeah, to ask me about I want, because I think it's fascinating. First of all, that you did a great job, right? Yeah. Having not having not been in a movie yeah. like that before. I mean, amazing. What was that like for you to see that? Well, and, it was exciting. Uh, uh, to see her do so well in her first outing is, is certainly on, uh, uh, honoring us as parents and uh, a joyful for us to see. And then, of course, the message of the film. The Kendrick's brothers wrote a great story, and it, uh, it resonates to what is happening with families today. So I think the, 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 the culture made it ripe 
yeah. for that movie to be successful. And, I mean, the number one movie in America. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah, the number yeah, one movie in America, right. which is great. And it was the perfect timing for that, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, had, that had, had to have been fun to watch your daughter do that. And I thought yeah. she was great. I thought she was really great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Anything else you'd want to mention that maybe we haven't no, talked about? No, um, um, people can log on to TonyEvans.org and find out about our different outreaches. And um, and then you can get a link there to the to find out about the, the gathering. And so... So uh, just uh, connect with us, and we'll be glad to let you in on we'll all that's keeping us busy. We'll make sure we link out. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Back to the church boys. So it's, it's Hi, it's me, Chris. I have a special wedding for all of you. You want to go ahead and do this? Oh, you froze. No, I just was sitting here. Oh, you froze in anger. Um, well, go ahead. I, well, what go were ahead we and, even doing? Oh, you want me to give the this. warning? Okay, well, let me give the warning. Why don't you just go ahead? It's Billy so eloquently. To the, anybody who has children in a vicinity that can hear the church boys right now, I suggest you hide your kids, hide your wife, <laughs> plug their ears, blindfold them, and move them out of the room because we're about to talk about something that is a little bit adult in nature right. and that you probably don't want your kid to hear. And we want to be respectful of that. Um, although, if your kid was watching the presidential debate, they've already heard it. But still, right. we're going to go a little more in-depth on um, some issues <laughs> of ana- human anatomy that we want so, to discuss on the show. I'm not exactly sure how in-depth you mean. Well, you said you wanted to go in-depth. No, I mean, no, I, I, no, I was no, just... I didn't. I don't need to offer any serious examination of this. I'm just saying maybe we should play it because it's fun. Okay, play it. Okay, here we go. Warning, warning. Uh, You know, Brett, let me say something. This campaign for the last year, Donald Trump has basically mocked everybody with personal attacks. He's done so to people that are sitting on the stage today. He's done so about people that are disabled. He's done it about every other candidate in this race. So if there's anyone who's ever deserved to be attacked that way, it's been Donald Trump for the way he's treated people. And they're asking about the hands coming. Now that said, I would much prefer to have a policy debate. I hope that's what we'll have here tonight. Let's have a policy debate. We Let's will. talk about Donald Trump's strategy and my strategy and Ted's strategy and John Kasich's strategy when it comes to ISIS and on health care and on the important issues facing this country. But let's be honest, too, about all this. The media has given these personal attacks that Donald Trump has made an incredible amount of coverage. Let's start talking again about the issues that matter to this country. I'm ready to do that starting right here, right now, tonight. Mr. Trump, your response? Well, I also happen to call him a lightweight, okay? And I have said that. So and he later then like calls him a little Marco. He's really not that much of a lightweight. And back. as far as, and I have to say this, I have to say this, he hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard <laughs> that, of this one. That's a lie. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee you. Uh, okay. <laughs> what? what ha- I, when it happened, is- I, my wife was on her on her phone doing some like oh. looking up some emails. And I was like, did you just hear that? She's like, what? What, has what? Happened what happened? I was like, country. he just made a reference to his Area. penis. It's, yeah, it's well, it's it's what I. So I was talking, I think I was with Brother Ravette today. This is, and so the debate happened Thursday night. So I was talking to Ravette on, oh, what day was it? On, it was a Friday. It was today. It, was, it, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't last losing. night. It wasn't Thursday night. It was Friday morning. And I was talking with Ravette and I said, how have we 
fallen this far. Do you remember how outraged people were? 1992, Bill Clinton's running for president, and he's on, I believe, MTV, and he's asked, boxers or briefs? And there was this hue and cry about how, why is that a question to ask the, the, the president of the United States or the, the would-be president of the United States? And now we've got subject jokes going on about people's penis size in a presidential debate. Now, don't get me wrong. There is one person to blame for all of this that's going on right now, and that's Donald Trump. Now, you can blame a lot of American people because they've allowed this to happen, but that kind of discourse would not be happening in these debates if Donald Trump weren't in it or if Donald Trump hadn't started it that way. And um, yeah, I agree with you, but it, but there's also been eight years of the Obamas not doing this sort of thing, but parading around late night talk shows. And, you know, it's yeah. it's sort of like when yeah. you pave the path towards chaos. You didn't go. You didn't bring us to chaos. You've sort of helped pave the way there. Well, they, I mean, it's I mean, they, they you know, the, the the road to hell has been being paved for a long time and now it's just been iced over. So it's just sliding right <laughs> down into it. But I mean, the, the idea that that's where we are in our discourse in politics that we're having people who would be the leader of the free world talk about their manhood is appalling. I'm not offended by it, but it is appalling. It's un unbefitting of a presidential I mean, candidate. It, it just says it says it says to me you are not fit to be in the office of president. Period. Now, now is it better or worse than a pastor who delivers insane messages for 20 years and and I'm not I'm not saying it's better, but is it you know I, I think the problem is that it's not an associate of the candidate. It's the candidate himself, yes, right? I agree. Um, it's problematic enough when it's an associate of a candidate, although sometimes that can go too far in, in tying people to others. But, you know, in the case of Reverend Wright, I think there was a pretty close tie there, right? Bill Ayers and some of the others, it seemed like there right. were close ties. But this is strange. What really shocked me was the applause and the cheering for yeah. it. It wasn't just yeah. like it, it didn't fall flat. People loved it. Yeah. They like the crudeness of it. And it now, just says to me, Rubio we, we may be to blame. We though. have a we have a problem. Now Rubio now Rubio did make the hands comment and the quote suggestion that it related perhaps to anatomy. But you know, his quote was, you know, you know what they say about guys with small hands, dot dot dot. You can't trust them. Now that was that's his quote. That doesn't mean that it was okay for him to say or anything. But and he has to own that. But the fact is that would have never come up. That would have never been part of the discussion if Trump weren't in this race or if Trump had not chosen to go that route in the first place. This all started with one man. He's the one who started this. And it you is disgraceful. You mean your future president? Let's um Hmm. Let's see. Uh, what was I going to say here? Oh, here we go. Let's try it. Let's let's listen to listen to more of the, the genius that is. Donald and they Trump. signed up for this fake university and these people owe all of us money now and they got nothing in return for it. But you were willing to say whatever you had to say to get them to give you their money. Right. And we're not going to do this. This is about Trump University. Trump. By the way, just so you understand, this is a case I could have settled very easily. But I don't settle cases very easily when I'm right. 98% approval rating. We have an A from That's the false. Better not Business true. Bureau. We have a 98% approval rating of people That's that false. took not the true. We have an A from the Better Business Bureau. Not true. And people like it. Now, he's saying they didn't learn. 
we have many, many people that will be witnesses. Again, I don't settle cases. I don't do it because that's why I don't get sued very often, because I don't settle, unlike a lot of other people. We have a situation where we will win in court, but many of the people that are witnesses did tremendously well and made a lot of That's money false. by taking the course. Go ahead, the, Senator. The, the, well, the you're going to see. You're going to see. You don't know. Go ahead. It's Senator Ruiz. Okay, so anyway, they go on, and we got to head out here in a minute, but they go on, and, and the fact is that the Better Business Bureau, the last rating that they gave, the most recent rating, which is the one they go by, is a D- minus for Trump University. And he's saying that it's an A, and Megyn Kelly points that out to me. He says, We've got the paperwork. I can show it to you. Still hasn't done that, by the way. Still hasn't shown the world that he actually indeed did get uh, uh, an A with the Better Business Bureau, that he currently stands at an A. So, um, what in the world is going on right now? Wait, stop, stop. Your audio just went really crazy. Are you still there? That's really weird. I'm going to hang up on you and just call me right now. No! Oh, uh, so that's the technical difficulties we're having today. There's been some issues going on. <sighs> so uh, anyway, so we Donald Trump has been doing these kinds of things and um, <laughs> and has drugged down the conversation in America. I don't know what where Billy went. Okay, here he is. Hello. 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 That was really weird. Wait till you hear the audio of that. It sounded like some some sort of um club dj that's awesome it was weird it was really weird you'll love it when we hear it uh anyway and there's now there's some weird noise coming through your microphone what are are you printing something it sounds like no nothing's happening really weird because now all of a sudden you just got really super loud that's really bizarre and it's just spinning i can hear your voice but we'll just turn off turn off your camera because that might be what's causing it did you turn off your camera? Are you paying any attention to what's going on around you? It should be off. Okay, there. I'm just, I like giving you a hard time. You're a demon. I am. Um, anyway, so Donald Trump has, I mean, and we've got a whole bunch of clips here that I had pulled, but I don't know if we're going to get to them. He, you know, he changed his stance on immigration, on the H-1B visas, which was fascinating, I thought. And what was the other thing? Um Oh, okay. So this is the one, and you know, I think it was Glenn was on this big time. The military would not. The military has said that his what he wants. Oh, it's too. It's too, it reset. Um, so the clip's not ready. So that's my that's my technical difficulties. Like I'm pulling a Billy here. Anyway, so Trump went on to say they asked him about the um, if you found terrorists, would you kill? You know, he said killing their their families, going after the families and killing their families, which would be a war crime, right? And he has said that the military will do that. And they said, they will refuse your orders. And he said, no, it's, they said, the, the moderator said, it's illegal. They're like, they should refuse your orders. And he says, I don't care. They'll do what I tell them to do. And that's scary to me. And he went on this, this nutball 9-11 conspiracy theory about all the wives and children of the, the 19 terrorist hijackers from 9-11 uh, were shipped out of the country a, a day before. And, the, and according to one report I read, uh, those 19 men were unmarried and childless. So, uh, I don't know what he's talking about, except that, uh, in fact, why do you love Trump so much? That man, he's. I don't. I really don't understand how we are at this point. How we? I mean, I don't fully. Oh, understand I get it. I mean, I know how we got here. I know how we got here, but I don't understand it. I, I know it's, but you know, we're living in a world where like everything is complete chaos. I t- I, mess- I tweeted the other day, and it's Awful. so true. Like this was the perfect year to write a book about the end of the world. 
It is. Because <laughs> you just think, I mean, just think about the fact of, just think of, I mean, even Trump supporters, just for a minute, sit back and think about what a Trump presidency means. Just actually take an honest Take an honest look at it because he wants to. He says he's going to build a wall. Well, he can't just unilaterally build a wall. He can't make Mexico pay for it. He can't institute tariffs to make Mexico pay for it. Congress did pass a bill to build the wall, correct? It was just never funded. Right, but he has to. Okay, so if it's going to be built, it has to be paid for. It has to be paid for in order to do it. You either have to get Mexico to pay for it, as he says he's going to do, which would require tariffs, which would have to be instituted by Congress, which they won't do. Or he's got to have an appropriations bill come through to pay for it, which I guarantee the Harry Reeds of the world will not let happen. So what he's saying is, unless he negotiates some sort of deal with Congress to pay for it, they will not. The Congress is not going to start a trade war with Mexico and have them institute in order to institute tariffs to pay for the wall. It's not going. To happen well when he's president you're gonna have to figure all of this out and he's not i mean and the idea the, the idea that these military guys are going to break the law break international law in order to just simply follow trump's directive because trump told them to are you kidding i mean I, and again there are things that he said that i like or that i've agreed with but but i gotta i i, I don't think that trump supporters have actually sat back and thought what does in reality a trump presidency look like they haven't asked themselves well, that serious question i would imagine it would be something like this show well <laughs> but all, all those all the all the trump people are not really it's i mean even like the sean hannity's are saying if trump is the nominee that their biggest goal is to beat hillary why is that your biggest goal how did we get to the point where the, the goal for the for conservatives and, and the Republicans is to beat Hillary? How did that become what our goal is? Isn't the, I don't isn't know, the goal but I love how much it right enrages way? you, so I'm fine with it being the goal right now. <laughs> okay, fine. <sighs> so anyway, All right, well, you we know what? Go. I'm going to go now. The show kind of fizzled out, so we're just going to go ahead and go now. <laughs> the show kind of fizzled out. <laughs> well, that's what we do. It's we, we, fizzle. we fizzle. We fizzle well. Uh, any thoughts for the people out there, uh, William? Read your Bible apps. <laughs> Read your what? The Bible app. Okay. And the U version. Okay. And uh, Don, anything from you? I guys like me when I ask you the negative questions. Well, I, no, I think you've become very negative. I do think. You me? Yeah. Why, yeah, I think Why would become, I do that? I don't know. Who knows? I, you'll have to ask your psychiatrist. But <laughs> I think you've become very negative. <laughs> <So, laughs> I'm not, not going to lie. I'll be entertained for 48 years. Oh, jeez. I mean, it's like The Apprentice again, uh, all over I just, again. I don't understand how this. I'm. I really. I'm. It's. Very, I, uh, Chris. I'm uh, fine with it as long as it enrages you. I. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It was fun talking about Donald Trump's. It's. It's part. It's part. <laughs> it's huge tracks of lies. It's been so much Whoa. fun. We gotta prank someone next week. Okay, we'll work on that. Goodbye. The Church Boys.